the king of the universe. And each of you are invited into that relationship. And it was made possible by the death of God's son. Now, I I wanted to kind of share my own journey with you about how I've been cultivating this love relationship with God. And I just wanted to be very honest with you because sometimes when people look at pastors, you kind of put pastors on a pedestal. Actually, no one does that in this church. It might be a good idea for you guys to do that. Maybe you could do that a little bit more. But but I just want to be honest with you about my own journey. I became a Christian at the age of 14. And I was mentored by a man, uh, Steve Evans. He was from England. And one thing that was very cool about him is he had this English accent. But there was much more than that. He had this amazing, close relationship with God. It was really inspiring. Like God would just tell him certain things about other people. He had that kind of relationship with God. Anyways, when I was about 14, 15, I spent a couple days with Steve. And at the end of that time, he turned to me and he said, Andrew, now this is part of my confession. I was dating a girl who was not a Christian. And he, he said to me, Steve, uh, Steve said to me, Andrew, I can tell you haven't really put God as your number one passion in life. Let me just ask you, if God asked you to let go of this girl, would you let go of her? And I didn't give him a straight answer. And and he sent me home with that question, and it really disturbed me and bugged me. Now, the girl did. uh, We did break up. But it wasn't really by my doing. She just kind of went away by herself. (laughs) Right? She just kind of, you know, it just kind of dissolved, okay? But I couldn't really say that I started to put God first in my life. You know, they say that when you let go of one counterfeit God, you just pick up another one. And I really didn't know what it was like to make God your number one love. I had so many other loves. I guess I didn't even have room for God as my first love. Well, then I became a senior in high school. And this time, Steve moved to England. And I was on vacation with my family to England. I'm like, hey, Steve, let's spend a couple days together. We spend a couple days together. or Actually, it was more like half a day, not a couple days, half a day together. And at the end of the time, he turned to me and he said, Andrew, the moment I saw you, I could tell that you still haven't made God your first love. And he said he was going to pray for me. He said, listen, there is nothing in life more worth pursuing than intimacy with God. You got to get your priorities straight. So he sent me home, and nothing really happened. I didn't, I, what does that look like? How do you delight in God and make him your number one love? I, I just, it wasn't there for me. Honestly, I really struggled with that. I mean, I had moments, but most of the time it wasn't that kind of relationship. Okay, now I graduated from college a couple years, and this time Steve moved to Colorado. So I flew to Colorado to spend a weekend with him. And at the end of our time, but this time there was another person he was mentoring, and, and he was sitting there. We'll just call him Frank, and I was there too. At the end of our time, Steve turns to me and says, listen, look at Frank. 
I have no doubt in my mind that Frank has made Jesus Christ his first passion in life. He loves the Lord. But I don't have that conviction from you. And he pointed to me. Like, just in case you didn't hear me the other two times. (laughs) And this was many years later. Now, I went home and I couldn't put it together. It just didn't happen for me. There were still other things I wanted more than an intimate relationship with God. I'm just being honest with you. Now I'm 28. And I'm married. And I went to this conference. It was the HIM conference and Jack Deere was speaking. And what was he speaking about? Making God your first passion in life. So I'm listening to the message. And I got to tell you, something during that message, I was changed. Now, maybe it was the message itself. He was encouraging us. It was a prayer from John 15. To pray every day that God would transform your hearts, that you would love Jesus the way that he does. You say, make that your number one passion in life. And then he he used the text and he said, if you're going to be like one person in the Bible, be like the Apostle John. And then he was was going through this text where during the Last Supper, John was leaning on Jesus. Like they were so close that John was just leaning on the chest of Jesus. I don't know, when have you done that with a close friend recently? You're just leaning on his chest, right? That doesn't happen every day. But that's how close John was with Jesus. And then Jack Deard said, and then when Jesus said, one of you will betray me, what does Peter do? Do you guys remember the story? He goes, John, ask him who it is. Now you kind of wonder, why didn't Peter just ask Jesus himself? And it's probably because Peter was thinking, if I ask Jesus, he's just going to give me a parable. (laughs) But if John asks Jesus, Jesus is going to just tell him straight. And so John says, Jesus, who is it? And then Jesus says, it's the person. And then he basically indirectly, but very clearly says, it's going to be Judas. And Jack Deere said, if you're going to be like anyone in the Bible, be like John, the apostle, who was so close to Jesus that he would lean on his chest and ask him questions and get straightforward answers. Make that your number one goal, your first passion in life. To be that close to God. I got to say, I, no, was it the message or was it the Holy Spirit? I think it was the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? Because the person next to me was fast asleep. And I was riveted. I went home. I was so on fire. Now listen, this is before the drought, okay? I took a three-hour shower. Because that was my place of meeting with God back then, right? I took a three-hour shower. I was just praising God. Now, this was my prayer. There was this hymn that I was using to pray. Lord, my heart is so prone to wander. I was repenting after so many years of making other things more important than God. And I was just broken before God. Why did I do that so long? I broke your heart. I'm so sorry. But you know what? I don't know how to be close to you. You got to do something. Something was happening. And so I said, Lord, my heart is so prone to wander. 
Bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it to thy courts above. I was praying that hymn. But I meant every word of that. Just take my life. I don't want to be mixed up. I want to be clear. God is my number one passion. Now, has God been my number one passion since then? Honestly, I'm not trying to boast. For the most part, yes. He's been the love of my life. But it took a process to get there. Can I ask you guys, where are you in that process? Have you guys come to this place where you realize without a doubt that this is the kind of life you want? You want to spend it all loving on God and being close to God. Do you have that conviction that this is the kind of life you want to live? Or is it, you know, honestly, I'm just into other things. Other things are more important to me than that. There is this love relationship that God wants with each one of us. And I would say that if you're going to make that your first passion, it takes time. It takes energy. It takes focus. You got to let go of other things. But it is so worth it. And maybe some of you just have to come to that conviction through God's Holy Spirit. But that's what we're talking about today. Now, if you recall last week, we were on the mountaintop with Moses. I'm going to walk you guys through the story. For those of you guys who weren't here last week, uh, in chapter 19, Moses is with the people, and they read all the words of the covenant. And then the people say in unison, all these words that God has spoken, we will do. And that's kind of like, it was kind of like their marriage covenant with God. That was their vows before God saying, we do. We're, God is going to be our God and, and if you will, the, the, the love of our lives. So mountain, uh, Moses goes to the mountaintop to ratify the covenant, to actually get it in stone. And while he's doing that, because in those days it actually would take like 40 days to do that, the people are down at camp and they're freaking out. Where is this Moses, guys? It's been weeks and weeks and weeks. And they've never been in the wilderness before. They're really, really scared. And so they go to Aaron and say, make us a god. Aaron says, well, give me your gold. And Aaron takes the gold and he fashions it into the golden calf. And all the people are worshiping this golden calf. They've broken the covenant. They've made these much lesser things into a god. Now, Moses is on the mountaintop and God gives him a newsflash. Moses comes down the mountain, sees everything that's going on. He throws the Ten Commandments and they break. Because that's actually what happened. They broke, they broke the covenant. He takes the golden calf, he grinds it, he scatters it in the, in the water supply, and he tells the people to drink it. And then he confronts Aaron. What did you do? And then he has the rabble-rousers, the leaders of this movement, he has them killed. And then he says to the people, look, I'm going to go back up the mountain... And see if we can renew this covenant with God. You guys have done a really, really bad thing. And let's see if we can renew this covenant. Now, the, the scripture that we're going to today comes right in the middle of Moses renewing the covenant with God. And it's this dialogue. It's a prayer dialogue that he has with God. But right in the middle, it's like this intermission where the Bible just wants you guys to know how Moses would on a regular pattern relate to God. 
Like, it's like, okay, let's take a break from this. Let's describe the relationship that Moses had with God and his normal way of actually communing with God. And that's what we're going to actually read today. But it really fits in nicely from last week because you know something? The best way to get rid of a counterfeit God is to replace it with the one true God, true worship to the living God. And that's why today we're talking about intimacy with God. Uh, Let's start in verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp. Can you guys say outside the camp? Far off from the camp. Can you guys say far off from the camp? And he called it the tent of meeting. Not original, but that's what Moses would call it. He called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Okay, this is, everyone's invited to this. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up. Can you guys just rise up? Let's just kind of make this interactive, would you? And... Where am I? All the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door. Imagine standing in the front of your house and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. Okay, you guys are like watching me. Maybe Moses was an older man. He, must, he might have taken more time, but you're, 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 you're watching every step. There's reverence there. You guys can sit down. Thank you for uh, interacting with me on that. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. The the visual representation of God was, was, was in the cloud. And the Lord would speak with Moses. Now, this next verse, if you look at it with new eyes, should kind of blow you away, okay? When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent... All the people would rise up and worship, eat each at his tent door. Now, now get this. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses. This is the big deal. Face to face. Can you guys say face to face? As a man speaks to his friend. I just wanted to stop. What is, what is that like? You're so close to God that you can speak to him face to face. Like you would a friend. You can ask him any question you want. And he would give you a straight answer. You can tell him how you're feeling. And he would respond right there like in a conversation. That's the kind of relationship that Moses had with God. An ordinary man had that relationship with the extraordinary God. And I would actually say... That in many ways, this is now made possible because of what Jesus did on the cross. That we have this kind of spiritual face-to-face access to God. As a man would speak to his friend. And let me just stop here and say, is this your number one pursuit of your life? To develop, to cultivate this close relationship with God. Is that you? Does that describe you? When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. He wouldn't depart from the tent. 
Now, um, this message actually is, is designed to be really practical. So, um, so for those of you who are like, you know, I, I, I want to be maybe inspired, maybe instructed in some new ways to think about cultivating relationship with God. I think towards the latter part of this message, there's going to be something there for you. So, um, so, so hang on. Now, there are, are two things here at least that Moses is teaching us, really by modeling to us how to cultivate that kind of intimacy with God. There's at least two ways from this passage. The second way is a little bit more of a, of a stretch from the passage, but I think I can justify it by the whole counsel of Scripture. Now, the first way, and I gave some clues to it just by having you repeat some words uh, when we were reading the Scripture. Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. Now, for those of you who are, um, you know, writing in uh, words in your bulletin and tracking along, uh, those S words would be silence and solitude. But let me, let me explain this from the text. Silence and solitude. Now, why would Moses pitch the tent far off from the tent? Some scholars think that the stench of the golden calf incident is still in the camp. And the very definition of holiness is to be separated from. So Moses is being separated from the camp where there is a lot of pollution. Now, I think that that is a a good interpretation. But do you think it could possibly be a little bit more practical than that? What's going on at camp? What's going on in your camp? Like even this morning, I can say for my camp, there were screaming kids and a lot of noise. And the camp yesterday, Saturday, we had at least, you know, we had two parties and a soccer game. There was a lot of activity, a lot of noise on my Saturday at camp. How many of you guys have camp that's pretty noisy? Uh, for you guys right there, ever try to have a quiet time in a busy dorm room? My first year, I was in a triple. I don't know how in the world I did that. But normally at camp, things are really busy. Things are crazy. There's all these distractions. We live these busy lives. All this noise. And what does Moses do? I'm going to get away from it all. I'm going to pitch my tent away from camp. Silence and solitude. When was the last time you pinch your tent away from camp? Just getting away from it all and just saying, I am taking some time just to be with God. Now Moses here, just through his modeling, is saying something very clearly. If you want to develop an intimate relationship with God, you got to get away. You got to have that quiet time. You got to get away from camp. Silence and solitude. Some of our lives are so desperately busy. You are so hungry for silence and solitude, and you don't even know it. Now, Moses called this place his tent of meeting. Do you guys have a place that you call your tent of meeting? Now, if you're filling in the blank, best practice, find a regular place to meet with God. Moses called this his tent of meeting. Do you guys have a place and you call it your tent of meeting? Maybe it's like in your office, like in the corner. 
maybe it's like at home, uh, in the corner of your bed. Like in our house, there's a place that Raina has her tent of meeting. It's my closet. And, and sometimes she will come in here, my closet, and the wee hours of the morning, the sun is not up, but I see light emanating from underneath the closet. That is Raina in her tent of meeting. For me, it's a, a, this lonely Catholic church. No one ever goes there, rarely. And I will sneak some time in maybe one or two hours during a busy season. I'll just spend time with God. It, it's, it's, it's so refreshing, so renewing. But if you want to cultivate that intimacy with God, you got to get away. And you got to develop this regular place of meeting with God. And you can call it your tent of meeting. Do you have that? You need that. You need that. We all need that. Maybe you go there every day. Maybe you go there several times a week. Or maybe you go there once a week. But that is your time to meet with God. And we all need that because our lives are so crazy. Now, um, what do you do when you have this time with God? What do you guys normally do? Uh, There was... uh, some time not too long ago, I actually had a moment with Jack Deere. I was in Dallas, and uh, he, I was at his church. And so I, I, I grabbed a few moments with him, and I, I had some questions. I said, Jack, what do you do during your quiet time? And he said to me, you know something? It's different every time. And one thing that showed me is it wasn't necessarily a ritual or formula, but he would apply all these different spiritual disciplines, but the goal was always the same, connection with God. But let me just list a few, for those of you who may not know, I'll list them out, and maybe you can find resources to go further with those, like uh, Richard Foster is a good resource. Uh, Meditation in Scripture. You're studying it to the point of meditating on the Word of God. How many of you guys journal? I'm I'm just curious. How many of you guys journal? Okay, some of, you, uh, some of you do. Some of you are really glad that there's no record of Jesus journaling, right? Because <laughs> there actually there isn't. But journaling is a great way, actually, of spending that quiet time with God. How many of you guys um, actually during your quiet time, you worship, you sing songs, and you don't care how awful you sound because you're making a joyful noise? Some of you will do that, and other people will, will spend that time praying for different people. But the, but the goal is you want to make that connection with God. You want to enjoy God in that moment. And so you're pitching your tent far away from camp, and you're calling it a regular place of meeting with God. Now, if this text, if that's the first thing this text, this text would teach us, I think there's also a second thing. I'm stretching it a little bit. It's probably not the author's intent originally, but I do think that the whole council of Scripture is definitely backing up this point. Now, if you notice in verse 10, when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship. Can you read the next uh, uh, five words with me? Each at his tent door. Right there at the end. Each at his tent door. So it seems like there's two places of communion with God. One is you pitch your tent far away. You have that quiet time with God. It's away from camp and the busyness. But there's also a place to worship where? At your tent door. At your own tent. At your office. At your home. 
while you're peeling potatoes and cooking a meal, while you're brushing your teeth? Did you know that an ordinary moment is an extraordinary invitation to spend with the extraordinary God? Ordinary moments of the day are invitations to spend with God. Now, this kind of practice, as John Orberg might call it, is spending an ordinary day with God. Brother Lawrence would call it practicing the presence of God. Now, I want to give you a whole bunch of examples. And again, if you're filling in your blank, we must also learn to worship God at our own tent. Okay? Now, let's get really, really practical. How do you do this? Let's say I have this regular pattern of getting away, spending time with God, but how do I spend time with God when I'm at my own tent? Okay, let me give you some examples. I want you to think about uh, maybe adopting some of these practices. Now, when do you guys wake up? Any middle schoolers here, can you tell me what time you wake up in the morning? Go ahead and shout it out. 6.30. Does that sound about right? Sammy, when do you get up? I know 5.30. Wow, can anyone beat that? No, it's not a competition. Okay, now, now let's go to the other extreme. College students, when do you get up? Someone just shaking their head. What does that mean? Uh, seven, eight, nine, ten. Some of you are still sleeping right now. Okay, here's the thing. I mean, you can categorize, someone said you can categorize people into two categories. There are people who love to wake up in the morning, and there are other people who hate the people who love to wake up in the morning. <clears throat> so when you wake up in the morning, what's the, what's the first thing you do? You're like getting into go mode. You're, you're you know, brushing your teeth. You're like getting your cereal ready, right? Now, you probably would do that tomorrow, but tomorrow, because of God's conviction, you're not going to do that. You're going to take one minute, um, one minute, and you're going to say, Lord, I surrender this day to you. I give you this day. Lord, I don't want to live on my power today. I want to live on yours. Now, how long did it take me to pray that prayer? 30 seconds. It can be done in 30 seconds. You're just aligning yourself with God. And an ordinary moment becomes an ordinary moment with an extraordinary God. Okay, let's go to the the next thing. Now, how many of you guys take a shower in the morning? It's a very American thing to do. Okay, oh, only a minority of you. Now, how many of you guys take a shower at night? Raise your hands. What about the people who didn't raise their hands? (laughs) I worry about you guys. Okay, now, oh, bath, okay. Now, when you're taking a shower, it's an ordinary shower, but the next shower you can take doesn't have to be ordinary. Now, what do you do in a shower? You're cleansing your body. Now, during the shower, it's an excellent invitation for you to confess your sins before God. Lord, Lord Jesus, have I done anything, said anything, thought anything that's displeased you? Have I not done, said, or or thought things that I should have done? And that soap is representative of the blood of Jesus. And I'm applying that to my body through faith. And I'm confessing my sins. Ordinary shower doesn't have to be ordinary. Okay, let's go on to uh, another example. Uh, When you go to work or when you go to school, when you're going to your class... 
Why not at the very beginning say, God, can we do this together? How long did that, God, can we do this together? Six words. You can make that a prayer at the beginning of your work. God, can we do this together? I invite you into my work. I invite you into my school. I'm inviting you into my day. Uh, maybe there's two hours of schooling or work. You take a break. You guys take a break. It's a 15-minute break. And then during that break, you take a breath in. Now, can I have you guys all take a breath in? <sighs> okay, that was maybe an ordinary breath. But the next breath is going to be extraordinary because during that breath, you are going to practice the presence of God's Spirit. You're, you're saying, I need God's Spirit. I receive God's Spirit like a breath of fresh air. Now take another breath and think that. I receive God's Spirit. I need God's Spirit. Ordinary breath. Extraordinary God. Now, when you go to bed, it doesn't have to be an ordinary moment. It can be extraordinary. When you're about to go to bed, you ask yourself a few questions like, God, where did I see you today? Where did I see you today? You know that time between when you brush your teeth and you're, and you're actually lying in bed? You can just take a moment. That's called the prayer of examine. And basically you say, I look at my whole day. Where did I see God today? And you claim each of these moments and you celebrate it in your spirit. And then you ask the question, where did I not see God today? And you go through your day and you go, well, what can I learn from that so that the next day I can improve? The prayer of examine. What's the big idea? We are learning to worship God and commune with him as we pitch our tent far away from camp and as we're in the camp where it's really busy, but we're worshiping God at our own tent. Now, I've given you a lot of examples, and I, I, I feel like a really cool thing is like, if you can walk out of this morning and go, you know, I, I've heard one or two things, that, and I want to try that tomorrow morning, I think that would be a great uh, thing to, to, to do. So we talked about like morning prayer, when you wake up and you give a minute to God. We talked about cleansing prayer when the shower and you're confessing your sins. We talked about um, a prayer inviting God to your work or to your school. We talked about taking a breath and practicing the presence of God's spirit. We talked about the prayer of examine. Are there one or two of these or all of them that you actually want to apply tomorrow? I actually want to give you one more. And uh, then we will be done for our message time. I, I want to invite Yan and Gordon's home group to come up here. Uh, Yan and, and Gordon's home group, they, they meet in Alameda. They've been uh, engaging in a series about prayer, and it wasn't too long ago. And one of the things that they've been studying is a thing called centering prayer. I don't know if you guys have heard much about Centering Prayer, but uh, they, they were trying this together, and then they got this, uh, this application called what, what's, WhatsApp, and, and then they were kind of texting each other their experience, and they were learning to cultivate intimacy with God through Centering Prayer together, and they learned a few things, and I was, I was you know, uh, inviting them into this time to kind of share with us what they'd learned. So let me give the mic first to uh, Yan. And then he'll kind of walk us through. We've never really done this. And we always try to kind of mix it up on Sundays. And so this is really a new thing. But this is really cool. Because now you're hearing not just from one or two, but a whole community. And uh, so go ahead and take it away. And, and share with us what you guys learned, please. So we did a series last uh, 
Thank you. Last semester on Centering Prayer. And Centering Prayer is where you take one word, a word that you feel like is something is holy and, and can center your thoughts. And for about 20 minutes, you try to focus on that and let other things pass by as you, you seek to receive God's um, thoughts and, and, and word into your, into your presence. And so we tried to do this as a group, and we tried to do this individually. And so Amy was the one who actually uh, had the most experience with it. So I want to let everybody share what their experience was, and you can see what everybody's own journey was about during this time. Um, So I uh, started Centering Prayer um, several years ago because my mentor, um, Ami King, Uh, was going through that herself, and she seemed like someone who was very um, spiritual to me. I asked her how I can have more presence of God in my life on a daily basis. She said to start the day with centering prayer. So there was a book that I started using that she recommended called Sacred Breath, and it was all a matter of reading a short um, blurb about something to think about and having some words in your mind and just reading one Bible verse, picking out a word from that, and just breathing it. Um, you breathe in, sort of asking for the Spirit of God, and then as you're slowly exhaling, you're getting rid of the sort of junk that's in the back of your head. And if you keep on doing that for a period of time, soon you'll realize that you're sort of substituting the junk with God. And with that, in that process, I actually did it over the process of Lent that one year. Um, I felt like I was transforming, at least when I was in that quiet time, what I was thinking about and how I was going to approach the day for the rest of the day. And so being inspired by my wife, I think for me, uh, the last uh, four or five years have been a real struggle um, in terms of faith. And I've extended a lot of my um, search for God through apologetics uh, for the first sort of 30 plus years. And more recently, I really felt like I've sort of come to a terminus on that. Uh, progress and felt like I needed to experience God more. And so I think inspired by Amy, I tried to, um, uh, or I've been trying to have more experiential um, prayer time. And so for me, centering prayer is not necessarily just a 20 minute um, uh, method that Yan and Amy described there, but uh, it could be, um, it could be coming back um, on a bus, listening to a YouTube centering prayer um, guided meditation. Um, and there's some, some neat ones you can look for. Uh, other things that I've tried are um, first thing in the morning, um, actually trying that um, think just being really, really quiet and seeing if actually a word uh, comes to me. Um, and sometimes a word like forgiveness may come and then I'll just meditate on that for a while. Um, I think there's definitely some question that my wife has about whether or not this is truly centering prayer because I'm lying on my back and I have my eyes closed. But, um, but I definitely have, have felt uh, some, some nice quiet um, uh, moments and words have definitely come to me. And so I've tried to uh, then share some of those with, uh, with our home group um, through that WhatsApp um, uh, app. Um, so I had been through a number of spiritual journey classes and so forth and um, had heard of centering prayer and a number of different ways to meditate. Um, had also done meditation sessions through um, non-Christian uh, methods and, and yoga, etc. And had never really been successful with that. Um, I have a racing mind, easily distracted, um, and even actually have been in jobs where I think the purpose has been, I've been thriving 
on being very um, multitasking uh, oriented. So as a trader, I had six screens and two telephones, and that's kind of the lifestyle that I feel like I thrive in. So centering prayer and meditation is quite a stretch for me. And um, so it was very helpful, I think, to just have that quiet time in our home group where we were forced to be quiet, not have our phones in front of us or our computers, and, um, and really try to focus on doing that. Um, yet, it was hard to slow down the mind. And so Amy gave us some more tips about, okay, as, as the shopping lists and things come into our minds, think of a river and a raft think of those things as a raft floating by and just watch it go and let it float out. So let it enter and let it go. And so that was um, helpful. But I would say overall, um, it was not a successful thing for me. And I would say that um, looking back, I think like anything else, it's what you put into it is what you get out of it. And so um, for me, now we are looking at other experiential ways of, express, of experiencing God. And um, I'm looking for a different way for me to experience God. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that we tried in our group was uh, using WhatsApp, which is an instant messaging um, application on our on our phones, and uh, we would we encourage people to periodically WhatsApp each other when they were doing their 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 centering prayer moment. Um, Dion was probably the most efficient in, in doing that, and he would he would regularly WhatsApp. A, a sort of a centering prayer word of the day or verse of the day or these sort of things. And I found it to be really helpful for me personally just because it would it kind of interrupt your day. This is all you're sitting your phone's vibrating. Oh, oh, look, look at this. And, uh, and it, would, it would encourage me to just stop there and, and, and pray a little. Or if I'm seeing a patient, I can't stop, then, then a little bit later, I would, when I, there's a pause in my day, I would be reminded to do that. It's really a neat thing because it, you know, you really... Sometimes you get distracted by the world as your day goes on, and it's great to be distracted by God and be pulled back and say, hey, oh, yeah, let's pray about this thing that I was struggling with, and just for a moment, and then move on. So that was really a neat thing. One of the great things about having a home group such as this is uh, you can be honest with each other, and it also is helpful to uh, share different ways to get closer to God. Some work, and some don't work for various people. Uh, I'll say that the centering prayer was very difficult for me. I have a racing mind, and I can't clear it of uh, <laughs> extraneous thoughts. So uh, I would say that, you know, that one was difficult for me, although I've had this image I could be meditative and calm, and I'm Asian, right? So I should be able to do this, uh, but I've never been able to do it. Uh, but we, we have been trying different things, and the experiential thing is what we're trying now. And so late last month, I said, hey, let's go to the uh, Carrie Job concert in San Francisco. So a few of us did that, and I enjoy that. That's my way of uh, worshiping it closer to God, listening to uh, worship songs on the car on the way to and from work or to and from appointments or soccer games or whatever. And the kids kind of enjoy it too. But I find that's, for me, one way to get closer to God in the light of this, you know, in my own tent uh, theory. So it's a, it's a work in progress, but we really are supportive uh, with, uh, with each other and that fellowship that is valuable for me. So when we go through this entering prayer series, um, there are a lot of tips that were given to us that we can try. But for me, I think um, what's important to me is really figure out 
what my struggles are when it comes to prayer. So I, I identified three things, and um, they are kind of juvenile and silly. Um, so the first thing is, I just cannot do it on a consistent and regular basis. And the second thing is, I fall asleep when I pray. <laughs> and the third thing is, I just, um, I just get distracted very easily. Got a consistent theme here. So I know that I have to find my own tent and an environment that would eliminate some of these struggles. So um, for me, what works for me is um, I pray now when I go swimming. So when I swim, I, I swim really regularly. So that automatically takes care of falling asleep and, and just you know doing it on a regular basis. Um, when it comes to getting distracted, I still get distracted even though you have solitude and silence when you swim, but it's all about the mind. So um, some of the tools that I got given um, as part of the series definitely help, and that's just a, I feel like it's an ongoing journey that I have and that I just need to keep working on it. Um, I think it, just to close on this, I think it's been a tremendous uh, thing for us to explore as a home group. This semester we're moving from just doing Centering Prayer to um, looking for different avenues to experience God. So even within our home group, we're going to Christian concert. We're going to see a Christian art exhibit. Uh, we're going to have personal testimonies from people in our church who've had personal experiences of God. We're going to be led through the prayer session. Uh, we're going to go on an Advent prayer retreat. There's a lot of different things to try to see how we can sense God more directly rather than, than, than through, through apologetics or in our mind. Uh, can we give the home group and their, their willingness just to be vulnerable, can we give them a hand for sharing? Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I want to take us to uh, the communion table, but some, some, some words to kind of uh, wrap up what was being shared. You know, it, it's, it's interesting what the home group was going through. Uh, I, I have felt really encouraged by them in that there is this pursuit of a greater intimacy with God. But here's actually a home group that's saying, let's do it together. And I love how they're actually being very open and vulnerable about their process. This is what it was like for me. This worked. This didn't work. But they still have the same common goal of let's get closer to God together. And I love thinking of community as that vehicle towards a deeper, more passionate pursuit of God. Can I ask you guys, is that your number one passion in life? Do you want that to be your number one passion in life? Could you all stand? I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pray for us. And then we'll partake of communion. Father, I just want to pray for everyone that is here in this sanctuary. It's, it's a mystery, actually. How does a person come to fall in love with God? How does a person come to say, I want to spend my whole life Pursuing you as my number one passion. I want to treasure you. 
I want my whole life to be about you. I want to enjoy you and worship. How does a person reach that place? It's a bit of a mystery. But I am convinced that it definitely takes the movement and the power of your Holy Spirit. And so I want to pray for all my brothers and sisters here in this room. Individuals that are pursuing you together. Groups that are pursuing you. Lord, would you send us your Holy Spirit so we can see the greatness and the value of Christ. So we would never take for granted his sacrifice. So we would love to be at your table and we would make passion for you our number one pursuit in life. How does this happen? Lord, would you do something? Would you convict us? Would you move us? Would you inspire us? Would you bind our wandering hearts to thee? Lord, we feel it. Would you take our hearts and seal it to thy courts above? And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.